Welcome once again to another edition of our Untitled F1 podcast that now does have a proper name. I'm Joseph Hadfield. I'm James Knight. Welcome to Preview, Grand Preview. Um, we've finally come up with a name uh, thanks to uh, to one of our listeners and uh, this is the name we're going to be taking forward now. Um, and on this Preview Review... Uh, we are going to dissect the Turkish Grand Prix uh, from this weekend. We'll have uh, we'll have a look back at the uh, another wet and uh, rainy race in Istanbul, and uh, we'll also touch on uh, and all the key talking points from the weekend. That's all to come on the fourth edition of the newly named Preview. So great to have your company and uh, it is time for the trivia question once again. Um, So it's me this week and uh, well, uh, this is pretty much based on the fact that uh, something that we will touch on uh, later on, which will obviously be one of the uh, the talking points, was the the zero stopper race by Esteban Ocon, obviously going from the start of the Grand Prix all the way to the end without making a pit stop. It is legal in uh, in wet conditions with intermediates and wet weather tyres, but in dry races, the rule says you have to make at least one pit stop and run two separate compounds of tyres. Now, because we don't see a, a no-stopper very often, Hamilton was considering it, although it didn't happen. What I'm looking for is, uh, is the last time that an F1 driver did a no stopper race because it has happened before it's not happened for a long time but can you name when it happened and uh, for any bonus points the driver and team as well so i am looking for the last time that a driver did a no pit stop race um in formula one and i'll give you the answer at the end of the show so onwards we go then to the Turkish Grand Prix and uh, well we have to start with uh, with the business of the race because uh, rather than touching on qualifying I'm going to be honest I didn't see a lot of it because I was at work so uh, so there we are which is usually the case for me when it comes to uh, Grand Prix weekends at the moment but never mind um so let's start by talking about the race obviously Valtteri Bottas winning his 10th race in Formula 1 uh, possibly the, for the last time 100% I I really can't see him winning another um, to be fair um, he's he's had a good stint at Mercedes but I, I, I think this is probably going to be the last time we see Hamilton and Max kind of out of contention for the win neither of them ever really looked like they were going to be able to win the race 
um, it, it was a good drive from him. He, he, he did well. You know, he came, he came under quite a lot of pressure. Um, I think Leclerc had a very good race as well. Um, and he, he was never... He was never challenged to a point where you thought he was going to lose it, but I think Leclerc kind of did enough to kind of make make it where he, he could have had a few spins like we saw last year when he had an absolute nightmare. So in that sense, it's been a good turnaround for um, for Valtteri uh, from slip and slide last year. Um, fair play. What, what's what's your odds on? Is it is it going to be his last win? I mean, unless Alfa Romeo come out of the blocks next year with, uh, with the Carter beat, shall we say? I mean... Let's be fair. Look at look at Williams. What they did at Baku 2017 when Lance Stroll got third. Um, it is possible. We know in Formula One that anything's possible. Heck, George Russell got on the podium, even though it was the 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 non-race, shall we say, at Belgium. So anything can happen. Will it happen? I think Valtteri Bottas is going to be at ten and out. In all honesty, I think I I, I just think Alfa Romeo are not. Like we've seen, we've seen Alpine win, we've seen McLaren win, we see Ferrari win, we've even seen Alpha Tauri win. But I think Williams, unless they have an amazing 22, I don't think it's going to be happening. We'll not mention the, the other team because they're definitely not going to be anywhere near the front anytime soon. Alfa Romeo, I think likewise. I think Bottas is going to, that's his last win in Formula One. But... On the evidence of it, it was a pretty dominant performance, leading start to finish. Smashed it. He actually did smash it. It was, it was good to see, and he, it, it clearly means a lot to him. Maybe it meant so much to him because he knows it's probably going to be one of his last ones. Um, but I think it says everything about Bottas that the last time he won was the Russian Grand Prix last year. He's in arguably the fastest car, and he hasn't won for over a year. That's that's poor. That is really poor. Why? Why is this the case, though? Because, as you say, he's in the the possibly the best car on the grid. Hamilton can have a few mistakes. We've seen that. Um, obviously, Bottas is is no stranger to winning in Formula One. He's done it ten times now, uh, nine before this weekend. So we know he can do it. Why hasn't he been able to do it? I think he's just, he just never seems to be quite up there at the right time you know you have these crazy races where you know Ocon starts winning at Hungary Perez wins at Sakir and there's all these different kind of races where it's all jumbled up and that's where you do see the good drivers coming forward and and being in the right place at the right time and he never seems to do it whether it's pit stops being out of sync with whatever happens or or like even even the Sakir Grand Prix for instance when George just absolutely dominated him in a car that George had never driven before. Those kind of races are the ones that Valtteri really needs to step up to the plate and just dominate because he's in a quality car. If Hamilton's not winning and sometimes Max isn't there as well, if they have a crash, it should be Valtteri mopping these up. He should have 20, 30 wins by this point with the amount of kind of crashes that everyone's had and the weird races we've had. But he's just never quite quick enough. I don't know. I don't think it's luck. I think I think you're right because it's like if you look back at, at Vettel in in the Red Bull years when he won four championships back to back. All right, Mark Webber, he won a few Grand Prix, but at the end of the day, he only ever won nine Grand Prix. I think I'm right in saying. Yeah. So do you know what I mean? I think I think the problem is when you've got such a dominant first driver, whether it be Hamilton at Mercedes 
or Vettel at Red Bull, for example, or even Schumacher at Ferrari in those days. You didn't see Barrichello winning that many. All right, he won, he won a few, but you didn't see him winning that many. And I think this is the problem with it with a dominant team because no matter how much they say there's no one uh, number one driver, there obviously is. In Formula One, there has to be a number one driver at every team. The only exception you can possibly think of was was 2016, obviously, with, with Rosberg and Hamilton. Yeah. And that was a case of, well, Hamilton won, I, I think they won sort of half each, didn't they? Because obviously the only other winner that year was Ricardo at Malaysia. So I, I think unless you've got two equally strong, but that, then again with Rosberg, he literally threw, put everything at it to beat Hamilton one year. So it's not like he did it consecutively over years. But sticking with Mercedes, though, these pit stops, they've always caused a problem. And as we mentioned, the no-stopper, we'll come on to Ocon in a bit. Hamilton wanted to do a no-stopper, but it was sort of it was a half-assed attempt, wasn't it? Because Mercedes wanted him to come in about five laps before he did. Hamilton wanted to go to the end. Mercedes saying he'd have probably only just finished 10th if he'd have stayed at. What do you make of it? Who's at fault with that? I think half arse is going to be the key key to this whole thing. It was it was just bizarre. Mercedes are this absolute juggernaut of a team. But then when it comes to one of the most fundamental parts of, of, of an F1 race in the strategy, they just seem to fall apart and can't make the right decision. I think if they'd have come in, that'd have been fine. You know, Lewis kind of saying, "No, no, I'm going to stay out. Put your foot down. If you know, if you're James Fowles and you know that that's the right decision, stick your neck on the line and actually just go. No, Lewis, you're coming in. Actually, actually have a pair and, and do that because if not, you end up in that situation where you come in a few laps from the finish and he just loses three places to his championship rival. What what's What's any what's strategic about that? And it, it, I just found it bizarre that you either go for it and you go right, we're pitting now. This is the way to go, or listen to Hamilton <laughs> and let the tires explode if it, if they do. Yeah, but pitting in between, all all they've ended up doing is losing more points to the championship rival. Why not just you know take the safer option? They were one place behind Verstappen. The, this championship isn't going to be down to who can finish seven places in front of the other at one race on a masterstroke strategy. It's going to come down to these little points. And it's, it's about damage limitation as much as it is trying to absolutely floor someone. And I just, I just found it bizarre. I mean, yeah, half fast. I think is the word. How about you? I'm, I'm in the same boat. I mean, we talk about damage limitation, but do you think, do we think that maybe Merck haven't had, don't really know what damage limitation is because they've always been in the car to beat. Like for most years, it was Hamilton against Rosberg for the first few years. All right. Then it was Hamilton and Vettel. Then it went back to Hamilton and Bottas. Now it's Hamilton, Verstappen and finally Verstappen and Hamilton. So in, in, in my thoughts, I think a lot of it comes down to the driver because at the end of the day, these people on the pit wall and these strategists, they don't know what it's like driving an F1 car. They don't know what the tyres are feeling like. So this is the whole point about the relationship between the driver and the, and the team. They need this harmonious cooperation. 
obviously the driver has to have the main input because he's actually driving the bloody thing. It, like you, you got you can't win a Grand Prix or you can't get points in a Grand Prix for you know what I mean for having a good strategy. You've actually got to drive the bloody thing. So I can understand where Hamilton's coming from. He's obviously wanting to to sort of push it aside and quash it all this sort of having an argument because at the end of the day, teams are going to squabble. They're going to make wrong decisions. That's Formula One. I think, I, I, I do think that the team should have put their foot down. I mean, we look back to Russia. We look back to Norris and McLaren with the tyres when they lost the win. Should the team, because that's the thing, Hamilton ignored them at Russia for the first lap. And then they said, no, you've got to come in now. Should we have, maybe this is a sense that because Hamilton has won so many championships, won so many Grand Prix, has so much experience, he sort of leads the team rather than the team sort of tells him what to do. He's like, he chooses his own strategy. I think you have to put the blame, well, well, you can, well not blame, but if you're going to have a, a culprit for it, I think I think you have to put it down to Hamilton because surely at the, at the end of the day, he knows what's at stake here, a, a world title. And at the end of the day, even though the team are going to want the Drivers' Championship, you look at Christian Horner the, uh, the other day, what he was saying, because they were asking him, would you rather have the drivers or the constructors? The money comes from the constructors. You don't get any, they don't get any money for winning drivers. But you want the drivers. The drivers want the world title themselves. So surely if he knows what's at stake, he has to guarantee every single maximum opportunity. And who knows if he'd have come in when they first hole into, he might have even got the win. Who knows? Do you know what I mean? A hundred. No, I a hundred percent agree with it. It's it, it 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 comes down to this thing of Mercedes sometimes just agree with whatever Lewis says too easy, and they need to just kind of have the ability to put their foot down because yeah, Lewis is driving the car, but there's got they've got hundreds and hundreds of data analysts in the back, and and for them to want to pit, that means that a few of them have come turned around and gone, lads, these 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 tyres aren't going to last, they're going to blow up or he's going to end up losing six seconds a lap. Tell him, don't, don't, oh, well, we'll have one more lap and give you a bit of thinking time, Lewis. What, what, how is that productive? Where are the decision-making processes there of, we tell him to do something, Lewis says no, right, we've got one lap to do it. Instead, they delayed it another lap, we'll, we'll think about it again. That's, that's how you lose a championship. If that comes down to Abu Dhabi, and they absolutely messed that up. It's gone. You know, it, it, it's bizarre. It's bizarre that such a successful team can't do it because they've been able to, you know, like, like you said, they've not had a, a title fight for all this, these years. But that means that they've had six years to be able to perfect these decision-making processes with no pressure. You know, you, you get your teams like Alpine. They made quality pit stop decisions a couple of races ago knowing that that was going to be the biggest moment of their careers potentially and they had the ability to do it this is just another win this is just another race for them they've they've won everything they don't need to carry on you know they've proved themselves and and they're still flopping under the pressure i just find it weird really really weird i will stick my neck out on the line now 
we mentioned that it's going to go down to Abu Dhabi. I don't think it will. Really? I think it'll, I think it'll be sorted before we get to Abu Dhabi. I don't know how far before, but I'll tell you, at Abu Dhabi, there is nothing on the line in the drivers. Constructor, well, I suppose you could say drivers will be closer than constructors. Yeah. But I say it's done, it's done before Abu Dhabi. I'm saying that now. Moving onwards uh, from Hamilton and Mercedes, we'll come back to them uh, shortly. But first of all, Pierre Gasly, obviously, he's had a, an amazing season, has done ever since he uh, he got shoved back into the Alpha Tauri um, halfway through 2019. He decided to play bumper cars uh, in a sandwich or a baguette, shall we say, on lap <laughs> one. Uh, Fernando uh, having a bit of reverse karma this time, shall we say? Uh, he's decided to, to decided to play bumper cars with a Schumacher, which is funny because I don't think I'm right in saying that Sh- that Michael and uh, and Fernando ever uh, collided um, back in the sort of the the mid noughties But uh, Alonso's decided the, he needs to make up for a bit of lost time and uh, gives one to his son. Thankfully, obviously they've apologised, but. Uh, Five seconds is a bit of a yoke, don't we think? Hundred <laughs> percent. I I feel sorry for Gasly. He got sandwiched. He had nowhere to go. It's a bold move from Alonso going around the outside in that kind of conditions. Like fair play to him, it's brave, but it's Alonso. We've seen him go around the outside at Russia. You said he was going to do one at Turn One, and he pretty much did. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He's he is one for just pinning it and hoping, and he's. It's that kind of Alonso cockiness that we see all the time, and it's it's backfired on him. I did smile, not gonna lie. I was sad at first. I thought it was Ocon that had spun off, and then he went, "Hey, if it goes Alonso," I was like, <laughs> "See ya." Um, and then you know he's he's been driving for how long has he been in Formula One now? Seventeen years, something stupid like that. And he's still pulling off moves like that on Mick Schumacher, diving down the inside like that. It's ridiculous. Like there's no need for it. You know, he's got a quicker car. It's a Haas. He's going to get past it at any part of the track other than by driving into his side pod. Poor Mick, he was like nearly in tears getting into Q2. Had a decent start, was like holding position and then all of a sudden turns around and sees Alonso's face. It's just like, why why do that, Alonso? Come on. I don't know. Was it a penalty for you for Gasly? Uh, ooh, ooh, uh. Well, I mean, we, we saw it, didn't we? We saw it in Turkey last year when it was, I think it was Ricardo, Ocon and someone else. I can't remember. And well, well, Bottas spun round six times, first on the first corner. Ocon span round. Ricardo, I think, accidentally got bumped into Ocon, which span him round. So we know the problems that are going to have at turn one, especially when it's wet. Because it's Turkey, it's it's a downhill sweeping off camber corner. I mean, I can't remember what happened. If anyone got any penalties at the start last year, I suppose. I suppose. I suppose with the Alonso and Gasly scenario, if Gasly's going to get one, Alonso has to get one definitely. Alonso is definitely more of a penalty than Gasly's. But then again, Alonso did get shoved down the order and Gasly didn't. Do you know what I mean? I, this, I can understand where they're coming from because it's sort of, it's ruined, even though it's unintentional, it's still ruined another driver's race, basically. Yeah, I, I think we're going into dangerous kind of territory, though, if you kind of 
then kind of excuse, kind of slightly excusing Alonso because he was he's been knocked down the order a bit, and like the consequences of of the action, I don't think should ever really kind of come into it. I think it's more like the actual incident itself. Like you know, if, if Alonso had got a puncture mm. and that had been the end of his race, I still don't think it's a Gasly penalty because he's just he's just existing. He's a car. It doesn't, you know, yeah, he's understeering, but so was everybody. So do you see? Do, do you give a penalty to Perez then for 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 causing Ocon to get sandwiched? No, I think for me it's just lap one. I think unless you know, if Perez had come absolutely barreling in like uh, Bottas I know did it, then, yeah. Uh, yeah, like Bottas did at Hungary, and just was it Bottas that did it? I can't remember who it was. Just absolutely slammed into everyone and kind of caused the domino effect. Then that, mm. then you're looking at penalties, but. They were all just kind of that. You, you know, you've got twenty cars going into one corner. Mm. It's a miracle when they don't collide. You know, it, it's ridiculous. So mm. I think, I think if we start kind of penalising these kind of things in these conditions, we're not going to allow them to race. And and yeah, I, I just felt a bit sorry for Gasly to be honest. Right, racing incident for Gasly. Correct penalty for Alonso. Right. Sticking with uh, sticking with Alpine, and as we mentioned earlier in the introduction, a no stopper for Ocon. Fifty seven laps on slintermediates, basically, is uh, is I think the the correct way of, of pronouncing them. I, I don't understand this because obviously intermediate tires have got a certain life expectancy, like all tires do. Yeah, but then once intermediate, pretty much. What they were using on on Sunday is an intermediate tire that they've worn out that much. It's become a slick, and so it is basically a slick tire, but that has a lower operating temperature, basically, so they can survive the cold conditions. Surely Pirelli must have known this was going to happen after what we saw last year, and maybe, maybe, maybe sort of throw things up a bit. I, I like it. To be honest, I, I think it's quite cool where you've got kind of, you know, oh, are we going to change the dry tyres? Oh, wait, no, my tyres have already changed themselves. And it's like, you may as well like, press a button and all of a sudden they've got mediums underneath them. Yeah. But I think it's cool. And it, it's, it adds another dimension, I think, for me, rather than everyone just kind of all bumbling into the pit, slap 35, lap 40, let's change his tyres and go back out again. It's like everyone's on the same scale electric track going round. Yeah. I think. If someone's got the the kind of the nerve to go for it like Ocon did, and Leclerc was thinking about as well until he lost the lead, like fair play, like what? Why not give it a whirl? I think it's it, it adds another dimension when you can kind of half destroy your tires and and they, they still operate quick. It was stupid. Like when you looked at the the pictures of his tire after the race. Yeah, that's like yeah, a circle chunk. <laughs> like, I don't understand how it wasn't like in pieces. It was, it was, it was unreal. And like, he even put um, I can actually put a picture on his Instagram of like the circle chunk, and he said, "Oh, I just thought I'd put my initials in the tire." <laughs> <laughs> it was bonkers. I mean, fair play. What what a drive. I mean, one more lap that had gone, that tire could not have lasted much longer. So they've. They've absolutely played it like an absolute fiddle, to be honest. Um, but what are you saying? Then? So would you rather kind of not have that kind of tyre that can just kind of change into slicks? You almost want Pirelli to kind of, it, to get to a certain point, just overheat and then 
from coming the pits or is that well we've seen that obviously formula one races part of it is the strategy of when you're going to make your pit stop because it's like for example i, I know i can't get through one episode without talking about ricardo no, but ricardo. obviously he um he was obviously started last came through the field it wasn't working he was getting nowhere so they brought him he was the first one to come in for a new set of enters and that sort of gave the data then to to all the rest of the teams and we saw his tires his back ones had gone that's why he lost so many places at the end and you think as we say if Ocon have had one more lap they would have gone completely and that might have thrown a little bit of jeopardy in it and that's the thing I know obviously we want to make it as safe as possible but we do want a bit of of unpredictability because it it well it's like for example you you look at all these crazy races we've had and it's all down to unpredict unpredictability and and things that you can't control otherwise we just see Hamilton Bottas Verstappen every single race as we have been doing the only way we get something that's a bit more exciting is a little bit of of change and a bit of difference I think so I, th- I think if we are gonna I, I don't mind the the no pit stops that was fine because it was it's something we've not seen for for a long time fair enough but I think if they managed to get a, one that's gone this long and it's like we saw in the last lap Six seconds Ocon lost on that last lap, which opened the door. Ideally, you just you just want a bit of jeopardy that Ocon could, right, he's gone to the end of the race, but yeah, hold on a minute. Right, your tyres are now gone. So you are, there's a, that bit of jeopardy, that bit of unpredictability. I think if a tyre can last a full race, it's sort of, you know what I mean? Because what if everyone had done that? I've, I've got an idea for this. Go you on. have to go with me on this. Obviously, on. the teams get the tyre allocation. They have to kind of choose how many they want. I think at the start of the weekend, they lay out all the sets of intermediate tyres and the drivers get to pick a set. But two of them are this kind of slick to mediate where it's just going to keep going in the dry. And then the others kind of will overheat quicker and won't last as long. So we have the jeopardy where they're going, oh, we're on the, we're on the slick to mediates. And that off. Oh. See ya. Safety car. But that's not a level playing field, though, is it? It is if they're allowed to choose. <laughs> if they're kind of going, ah, tyre seven. You never know. It could work. Potentially. Potentially. Well, uh, Ocon does a no-stopper and uh, and Perez and Hamilton uh, coming wheel-to-wheel, shall we say. It's a, a great bit of racing and uh, it shows what Hamilton can do up against a, a Red Bull when he's not when the Red Bull's not deciding to uh, to close the door, uh, <laughs> as we've seen in, uh, in uh, both sprint weekends. Um, bias. I don't care. Um, <laughs> no, it was a fa- fantastic move. Some arguing, should Sergio Perez have... Um, like should Hamilton have got a penalty because because obviously he pushed Perez uh, left of the bollard into the pit lane, basically. What do you make of it? I think it was just quality. I think there was, there was no danger when he pushed him wide. I think it, it was that moment at first was like, oh my God, he's going to force him to do a two-stop. You know? <laughs> I think that, that would have been beautiful if he'd have gone, do you know what? See you later and just absolutely stuck it. <laughs> so he had to go down the pit lane then there would have been a penalty, but it would have been genius at the same time. Um, but I, I, it was it was cracking racing. I think Perez really showed 
showed his worth in that sense. Um, I think it's been a long time coming that Verstappen's had someone alongside him that's going to be able to really kind of back him up in those situations. And Perez hasn't always been there to do it, but that the race today, I think, was uh, or the other day rather, was was one of those examples of what you can do when you've got kind of you're fighting with two cars at the front. I I thought Perez had lost lost the corner a good few times, and then when he regained it going into turn one, that was just brilliant. It was a really brave move, um, but yeah, he he absolutely smashed it. Um, but. But yeah, I don't think penalties either way. Um, I think if we start giving penalties for that kind of stuff, when the, you know there's, there was no cars around, if someone was already kind of slowing down into the pit lane and Hamilton went, I've, you know, try and, try and take a piece of Ricardo's wing while you're there, then fair enough. But I, it was just good racing, I think. Are you, are you on the same page with that one or do you think penalties galore? Well, let's be fair. If we start adding penalties for everything under the sun as... Uh as stewards of light to have done in the past. It, it just ruins the racing, doesn't it? Yeah. It's it's like, for example, if Hamilton had got a 10-second penalty for that, for, for pushing someone in the pit lane, or Perez had got one for, for going around the wrong side of the bollard. Do you know what I mean? It's like, if you start doing that, you, you're just ruining the sport, honestly. Yeah. Because I could, as you say, I could understand if there was a car approaching the pit lane, fair enough. Uh, but no, no one around him, just good racing. And that's something we've lacked from Formula One. That's what they're trying to do next year with these new cars, trying to make the racing a bit closer. And this is what this is surely an example of what we're seeing, I think. Yeah. And really, that, that sort of leads it on to the fact that how good Istanbul Park can be, because obviously we've it's only the second year we've we've been back. Most likely we won't be going back again for for a while. It's th- that kind of even though we were saying this off air, obviously we'll talk more on, on uh, next week, but it's these kind of Tilka tracks that sort of, they can throw up some brilliance basically because of the design. It's like no, not a lot of people go on about the, the last few corners, the, the left, right, left, but they can produce some good battles as we've seen. 100%. Right. Onwards we go then to, uh, to driver of the day. Um, well, Carlos Sainz got it uh, officially for his uh, his move from twentieth to eight, nineteenth uh, to eighth. Sorry, uh, for you, who are you going for? I think Sainz as well. There's there's been a few contenders for me in my head. I think I never thought I'd say this, but Sonoda drove brilliantly at the start of the race. We didn't really talk about it much, but Sonoda mm. really defended well against Hamilton until he had his usual spin. I think if he hadn't have done that. Yeah just for the pure kind of shock factor I'd have given it in, but then again, he, he did kind of spin off and, and and do his usual in that sense. But yeah, I think Sainz was, it was just picking people off for fun. It was, it was a, it was an overtaker lap. He, yeah, he was, he had a bit of, oh yeah, I forgot about that. He had some contact with Vettel, didn't he, when he kind of went barreling down. Ah, but it was fine because no one got hurt. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with it. It was, it was, it, there were brave moves and no one, no one got the wings taken off. Yeah, Carlos Sainz. I don't think Sainz. I respect that he, he made up 11 places in a race to get into the points. Fair enough. But playing devil's advocate, he had a new engine. Ferrari, it was a Ferrari type of track. We've seen, we have we knew they were going to be strong there. I I'm inclined to go Leclerc because he drove brilliantly. I think 
I, I, to be fair, you can't really look past Bottas, can you? Because let's be fair. Yeah, that's true. He, he was on pole. He brought it home pretty comfortably in the end. I, I, yeah, I, 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 you can't really look past Bottas, to be fair for me. I am going to give it to Valtteri. That's fair. Right. Uh, your usual moment of the weekend segment, uh, as, as you know by now, if, uh, if you've been listening, it is the, uh, the sort of the, the weird and wacky moments uh, that takes place over the Grand Prix weekend. Uh, what have we had? We've had Schumacher's uh, beeping himself at Russia. Uh, don't think we did one for uh, for for Monza, but uh, but there you are. So pl- plenty of that. Um, this weekend, we've I think we've only got one contender. I've got two. I've got two. That oh, have you got I, two? I noticed. Yeah. So when I, th- I can't remember which Red Bull it was that came in for a pit stop, um, cameraman that's kind of stood in front, kind of pans round um, to kind of watch the Red Bull leaving. And all you see is one of his other cameraman colleagues fist pumping the air because he's clearly absolutely loved what he's seen. <laughs> I just thought it was brilliant. Yeah. These, these guys are there week in, week out, and it's still that kind of like, 2.3 seconds. And I, just, I, I think just it was it. Perez, you're right, yeah. Yeah, it was, oh, it, was just, it was just brilliant. It was just such a raw kind of love for the sport. Um, and then Kimi Raikkonen um, screaming yes. down the radio. Um, <laughs> my feet are wet. <laughs> the drinks machine's leaking. And he said something along the lines of, how can we have a good Formula One car when we can't even get the f-ing simple things right? <laughs> 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 it just absolutely killed me. And I just thought, this guy's driving at 170 mile an hour around turn eight. <laughs> it's just pure giving out to these guys for a drink. And then they said, they went, oh no, Kimmy, um, it's, not, it's not leaking. It looks like it's been unplugged. And then, yeah, I unplugged it. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to miss that man in uh, in this sport next year. I tell you that much now. I'm um, watching him in whatever series he goes in. I don't care if it's finished touring cars. I've got to keep listening to that guy in the car. <laughs> the, the, the the thing is, though, it's like he, he finally gets his drink, but his boots are soaking wet. So uh, <laughs> slipping he, off the pedals. Yeah, I, I suppose he. Uh, Daniel can have a word with him if he fancies a shoey at the end. That's uh, no problem. Bit cold, but uh, Kimmy probably prefers an ice cream. Um, yeah, I, I think we've got to give it to Kimmy. Oh, it's got to go to Kimmy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got to be Kimmy. Uh, right. Uh, so we're going to turn our attention uh, to viewers' comments or listeners' comments, rather, shall we say? Because we obviously uh, we asked you on our social medias to uh, to give us your thoughts on. Uh, on the Turkish Grand Prix, and James has them for us. Yeah, so uh, we just asked everyone for their uh, thoughts. We had um, El wrote in and said, Gasly shouldn't have had a penalty on lap one. So harsh in that weather. I mean, yeah, 100% for, for me. It's it's a slip and slide for everyone. I think just give each other, give everyone a little bit of leniency um, in, in that sense. I think we've kind of alluded to that ourselves. We, we have to let everyone race. Uh, and then Lewis uh, Kimpo wrote in and said, Hamilton should have listened to the, the listen the first time the team told him to pit. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I can't, I can't say much more other than let's try and not half arse it next time Mercedes either call him in and make sure he comes in or just let him go and do his own thing and blow his tires up or have a miraculous drive. <laughs> exactly. 
And uh, we've, we've got through all that without mentioning the fact that uh, of any engine penalties that were taken that weekend, because we were saying Hamilton would take a penalty. It was an engine penalty, so it stuck him 11th. Uh, Science, we, we found out as soon as this had gone up, the, the last show had gone up, that Science was getting a, a full lot going to the back. Ricardo does it on uh, on Sunday morning after the 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 rather poor qualifying, should we say, uh, from him. See Grand Prix results then for the Turkish Grand Prix. Bottas winning fairly comfortably. Verstappen in second and Sergio Perez in their Honda. Thank you, Japanese livery uh, finishing in third. Double podium for Red Bull. Leclerc in fourth. Hamilton in fifth after that uh, that pit stop. Palava. Gasly in sixth. Lando Norris uh, qualified eighth, started seventh and finished seventh. Bit of a, a boring race for him. Carlos Sainz. Recovering all the way up to eighth, Lance Stroll in ninth, and Esteban Ocon on that no stopper in the final points paying position. James, uh, yeah, and then Antonio Giovinazzi with I think the most anonymous drive ever. I didn't, I don't think I heard his name once in the entire race. Following up from him was Mr. Wet Boots himself, Kimi Raikkonen in twelfth. Daniel Ricciardo never really quite got going in thirteenth. Yuki Tsunoda had a fantastic start and then managed to drop all the way down to fourteenth. George Russell in fifteenth. Alonso in sixteenth, having had his spins, bumper cars, and everything else in between. Nicholas Latifi in seventeenth. Uh, Sebastian Vettel all the way down in eighteenth, weirdly. And then the most predictable thing of the two. Mick Schumacher nineteenth and Nikita Mazepin in twentieth. Yeah, the funny thing was Seb, uh, we we didn't even mention this in the whole world of Ocon not even stopping. Vettel stopped twice and once. Well, he thought, yeah, let's yes. give the mediums a go. I'd forgot about that. That was weird. Who decides when everyone's been on intermediates all race? It's still pouring it down. Who thinks? Yeah, let's give dry tires a go. It was it was when they went to the the onboard and he was in fifth gear wheel spinning. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus man, what are you doing? Can I also say from my prediction last week, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be quite cocky with this one. I smashed it. If it wasn't for Hamilton messing up that pit stop, I said he was gonna take his engine penalty. It was gonna be a wet race and he was gonna somehow end up on the podium. If they hadn't messed up, I'd have been the best pundit in the world. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Bragging about being the best pundit for a second program in a row, but, oh. uh, but th- there we are. So, uh, so that is your Turkish Grand Prix all done and dusted. And there's there's no real news this week um, because all the news usually happens in the Grand Prix weekend. They always wait until Friday morning and then and then chuck something at us. Uh, by which time we're watching uh, the the action unfold. So that's just about it. But before we go. The answer to the trivia question from earlier on, which was the last driver to do a no-stopper in Formula One. Do you have any ideas? I want to say it's either Jensen or Lewis in 20... Were you wrong already? Oh, really? Yeah. I thought someone pitted under the red flag, which wasn't classed as a pit stop. Ah. Ah no no I meant I meant a a full non red oh, flag literally oh, right literally oh, right. start to finish no oh. stops Gerard Berger nineteen ninety two Las Vegas no it was actually um, it's funny because the the quiz question last week was talking about Monaco it was Monaco again Monaco nineteen ninety seven Mika Salo in Tyrrell who did a no stop race. 
But was that the Tyrrell with six wheels? Because that would have made sense. I don't actually know. We've had the backup too, just in case it's popped them forward. Or I think. I need to have a look up for that because I've never heard that one before. But that's yeah. immense, is that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, so '97 because the one you were on about was was Lance Stroll last year at Monza. Oh right, okay, that that recent. Well, because he obviously uh, wait, did, no, he did, yeah, he did, yeah, he went no stops, didn't he? Because he yeah. he changed his tires in the the red flag because that was our, why there was all the the hoo ha about is it actually legal? Yeah, because he got second, didn't they? So uh, so no, uh, Mika Salo all the way back. Oh, that's it, is it? Yeah, that's the six-wheeler for everyone. Sorry, for, for, for... <laughs> you, you need to Google the Tyrrell six-wheeler if, if if you haven't seen it before. It is the weirdest car in the world. I don't think it was that late on. I think it was kind of... But yeah, it wasn't. It was 19, 1977. Oh, there we go. It's only 20 years early. But, uh, Maybe not the best but one. The 20th but... anniversary uh, Tyrrell for the Monaco Grand Prix. Just uh, <laughs> do do the first four wheels and then, oh, no, I've got two extras. We're all right. We'll two-wheel yeah. it all the way home. Exactly. Um, but there you are. So, uh, so that is it. And uh, we're back next week because we've got two programmes for you. It's very rare. Um, but we'll be bringing you... Uh, the reaction to the 2022 calendar, which is actually out tomorrow, um, but we are busy on the weekend, so we'll bring we'll give us a few days to digest it. Um, we have a pretty good idea of what it's going to look like, um, and we'll also uh, turn our attention to uh, to the upcoming United States Grand Prix as well. Uh, we're back in Austin, back in the land of cowboys, and uh, let's see how Merck can uh, can knacker up uh, Bottas's chance of winning once again. Um, but that is your lot. So from me and James and all the team here on on the new preview, uh, we'll see you next week for a preview. Goodbye. Bye-bye.